Welcome to Tactically Acquired, a special summer session. During the Tactically Acquired, a special summer session, we will focus on documenting our community's living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our community and sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys. The podcast is for anyone interested in learning more about our community and its amazing people. Now, this is unfiltered. Meaning we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being in the community and what is happening with us, around us. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at Northern Kentucky University. Today, my special guest is a community icon. And to get started, sir, can you please just state your name and where you live within our community? John says when I leave, I live on East 3rd Street and Silver Grove. Lived here my whole life in this town. Awesome, except you just shared something with me. You lived here your whole life, except for a couple of years. What were you doing when you were gone? I got drafted and was in the service. Absolutely. And what branch were you in, sir? The Army, actually the Signal Corps, 313th Signal Battalion. Awesome. Where were you based out of? Fort Meade, Maryland. In good old Maryland. I still remember my social, my number, 252351194. Your service number? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so we got to talk about two different parts if you're okay with it. The first one, we're going to talk a little bit about your service time just because you shared that and you have some great documentation that you shared with me. What did you do while you were in the military? Well, I went to basic training at Fort Knox and then they, after basic, they shipped me to Fort Meade, Maryland and they sent me to cook school there, which I did real well in, but I didn't want to be a cook. Right. So I had a, some political friends who got me a mechanics MOS and I was a truck mechanic when I got, got out of school up in Maryland. So after you got out of the service, you moved back to Silver Grove. And if you don't mind, about what time frame was that? Well, I, I got out of the service in 1955, October the 14th. And then I got on the police force. Actually, I was hired on the July the 10th of 57 and sworn in on the 11th. Wow. Our, the only person on the council that was qualified worked at the, in, for the fiscal court, and he had to work that night, so he died. He did it the next night at his, his house up here in 2nd Street. He just said, stop on, we'll get this taken care of, yeah. knocked out. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how did you end up becoming a police officer then? Because you were a cook. And, well, you, you went yeah. to cook school, you were a mechanic in the service, and you became a police officer. Well, I, I witnessed a real bad accident mm. on the 4th of July of that year, and then the Silver Grove police were there, and I talked to them, and they says, well, we don't have enough people to, to try and get these drunks off the road. So I went to the next council meeting and asked if they could hire another one. Oh, there you go. And they said, yes, come on back and we'll swear you in. And that's how you got started in your police career. Yes. And you did a couple years as a police officer. Am I right? How many years did you do total as a police officer? Well, a bunch of them. A bunch of them? And yeah, most of it here in Silver Grove. And then when I retired from Silver Grove, I went to the county sheriff's office for about a little over 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And were you uh, a police officer that entire time or was there different like jobs that you had within the department? No, I was. Well, when I started, there was three, three policemen and in a very short time, 
That was just me. And then it just became you. Uh, made you. You wonder if you got B.O. or not, but <laughs> I was the only one left. So did you, be, the, the time that you spent in Silver Grove, um, you kind of became not only the police officer, but the detective and everything else, I guess, huh? Yeah, I even washed you. I even repaired the cruiser because I was a mechanic. There you go. Save right. them some money. Awesome. Which they didn't have anyway. Right. Or we wouldn't have had this dispatcher we had. Right. So you were telling me a little about that, your dispatcher. just <laughs> happens to be your lovely wife here, right? Right. Yeah. And how did that work out, as her being the dispatcher? Well, like I said, we didn't have enough money time with the radio system. So the call the county would call our home phone, and she would turn the porch light on, and I drive about every twenty minutes to half an hour and watch for the porch light. <laughs> and then I'd come in, and she'd or else she'd if it was warm, she'd meet me out on the curb and tell me and give you the what the information was yeah, for you to details, get dispatched. Yeah, yeah. It, that's amazing. That's awesome. So that's great. And uh, how did you end up? Because you spent significant amount of time as a police officer. How did that decision come about that you just made it a lifelong career? Well, basically, I enjoyed people. Mm -hmm. I enjoy helping people. But I enjoy doing anything to make it work, too. Right. And uh, I, just, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I really do enjoy people and try and find solutions to their problems or find a way out of their problems, but uh, I, I just enjoy it. And mm -hmm. some people have hobbies, I guess maybe that was my hobby, but it was overwhelming. Right, right. Well, especially for how long was it that you were just the only police officer on the force? Was well, it a significant amount of time? Well, out, out here it was over 50 years. Wow, wow. And then, um, so you end up doing 50 years as a Silver Grove police officer then? Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. And then you, once you retired from Silver Grove, you didn't give up anyway. You kept, went somewhere well, else. I went from Silver Grove to the Sheriff's Department. John Dunn hired me, and uh, that, that was another good experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, do you mind sharing over those 50 years just a, a few maybe stories that you came across or helped serve and protect Silver Grove? No, I don't mind. One time, I uh, the 275 bridge down here at Brent, mm -hmm. the kids from Ohio climb up there and come over and steal the navigation lights for their battery operated. Well, in Cincinnati, I'd always call over here, and I got sent every time. You had to go to deal with the... Uh... I'm scared of heights, but it's dark, so you can't tell how high you are. <laughs> but I got up there, and I could see a bunch of them coming. And I, I said, turn the dog loose. And I barked, <laughs> and they all went back to high in Cincinnati. <laughs> so you were not only the police officer, but you were also the police dog as well at yeah. times, huh? <laughs> yeah, I had dual, dual purpose. <laughs> That's great. And then when... Back then, I had seven bars in town, and the railroad yard was operating at full capacity. But they'd send these work crews in, and then they'd go down to Young's Tavern, and then they'd go over and get into fighting, and then they're 
box cars or their sleeping cars. And I found that if I turned the compressor off, the air conditioning quit, <laughs> and they quit fighting. So I'd go over there, just turn the compressor off, get back my cruiser. Never got any more calls. There you go. A simple, well, I us call it simple solution, but a thinking outside the box solution, just to, yeah. this. And the same thing at the trailer park. They used to have individual choose boxes for each trailer. And if I couldn't get somebody to answer, I knew they were in there. I had a warrant or something. I'd park the next block up, go turn the box off, and pretty soon they'd come out to check their box, and I had them. <laughs> and then you got them, huh? <laughs> what were some of the, the I guess, I, I, I don't want to use the word crazy stories, but some of the stories that you just wouldn't believe as a civilian has never served as a police officer in their entire life. Well, the school didn't have, they were like the city. They didn't have any money for an alarm system. So the principal left a fun phone line open all night in the school and had a phone next to his bed. And if he heard unusual noises, he would call me and I'd meet him and we'd go and check. Well, we went in one night and we found the window broken out. So I went downstairs and I could see in the old room downstairs where these coaches stayed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could see a flickering, so I thought somebody had a flashlight or a candle or something. Well, just as I walked around the corner, boom, 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 I thought somebody shooting at me. Right. Mr. Dozier was behind me, he cleared out of there. Lucky I didn't fire any shots, but what happened? They were using candles, and they dropped them in this wastebasket, and it was full of basketballs. Oh. So when they caught on fire, they started exploding. Oh, and it sounded wow. Like a gun. Wow. That's just, uh, I can't even imagine going into that situation. Like you said, good thing that you used common sense and didn't just start shooting back. Yeah, it turned out yeah. to be, was it a bunch of high school kids then? No, it yeah. was uh, two kids from Cold Springs, and I caught them on the outside of the school. I got you. Yeah. They had <laughs> lost their keys to the car in the school, and they couldn't go anywhere. Oh, wow. So they, they were there being mischievous anyway. Yeah. So. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I know you had mentioned um, earlier that um, you kind of helped save the city money from being a mechanic because you're a mechanic in the military and you learned that and you would do that but i'm just curious so we call this show tactically acquired and if you're not familiar with tactically acquired it basically means that you sneakily gathered needed equipment to get the job done <laughs> did you ever have to do anything like that to get your job done well a lot of different things came up through the years yeah uh over in the railroad yards we would get people breaking the cars. So I would park down the road and walk through the yards and I'd always let the railroad nail I was over there, but uh, I caught a couple of people breaking in cars out of, or out of, railroad cars out of way. And then but we, we, we would also find where they would 
un unlock the, the locks and switch the locks and play games and make the truck trains on the wrong track. Oh wow! So that was one one thing we watched for too. Now we had Coney Island across down there where the Lawhead Landing is, where the ferry used to be, mm -hmm. and they used to get a lot of calls down there. And uh, anyhow, I got a lot of stolen cars there, but every time I get one stolen car, I find three or four others they'd tow out that we didn't know were that were even under there in the water. Yeah, wow. fun of them. One of them was a, was there was a mid-engine Pontiac, a small car with a magnesium engine support, and it had been set on fire. I told the fire department. I don't think you ought to turn water on that. Why? They turned the water on. You never saw such a fireworks display that aluminum hot melting and water hit it. Oh, wow. You're not supposed to get water on aluminum or on magnesium. <laughs> Hopefully it was nowhere near anything that could also no, be combustible. <laughs> the other side of the tracks down there. Wow. Um, I've, I'm curious with your... Uh, vast knowledge and the amount of time that you spent as a police officer. Do you have any kind of secrets of your success that made you successful for that long a time for anyone that might be interested in going into that career field? Well, I had one where her, this lady come, her baby wasn't breathing, I did mouth to mouth resuscitation, and then it survived okay, and she liked me for years till I arrested her husband for DUI, and then I was no good anymore. <laughs> no, back to being no good, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you have any advice for um, someone that might be wanting to become a police officer? Maybe it's a high school student, or so, uh, maybe a military member is just getting out, and it's like, you know what, I think I want to be a police officer. What would you tell them? Well, the basic thing is always tell the truth. You know, the truth stays the same. A lie will change on you every time. Mm -hmm. It'll catch you. But but truth's always, no matter what you have, truth's the best answer. And that, that'll get you through because nothing will get you best. If people don't believe you, you'll never be a good police officer. And the truth and treat people the way you would like to be treated. You don't have to mistreat people. And... Uh, that's that's some of the big factors you find, mm -hmm. and and you know you can you can help them out. You can don't have to. All, there, an arrest isn't always the answer to the problem. It adds to it. There's a lot of other ways of handling people without locking them up. Absolutely. Common sense is the best rule to use. Right. Right. Great. Great. Great advice, and I think we can use that for just about every career field. You know. Yes. The truth will always set you free. Um, what are some of the things you kind of miss about being a police officer? Well, I worked real well with a squad out here. And yet, you know, I, whatever the squad got to run, I would always go with them. See, the, the squad goes, well, I, I had police fires all over Tamla County anyway, mm -hmm. but I would go for wasn't anybody available. I'd go anywhere with it. And... Uh, Made a lot of friends that way, and a lot of times I had help. But I didn't have to ask for help. Well, I'd get somewhere and hear three or four cruisers would pull up, 
And I said, who called you? Nobody. We just came in case we got called, we'd be close. You'd be right there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's some great camaraderie as well. Yes, it there. is. Yeah. Did, did you find that your military time and service, did that help you when you became a police officer? That helped me through everything in life. Really? Why is that? You learn how people are, how people wheel and deal. You know how to recognize the BSers from the truth. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it was a good experience. Awesome. That's very cool. Um, is there anything that you're kind of glad you left behind that you don't have to deal with anymore as a police officer? Well, I just, I just miss all the... Uh, being able to help people. Mm -hmm. You know, back here when the, when I first started, people would go on vacation. They'd say, I put beer or soft drinks in the refrigerator. I didn't lock the door. You can go in and get anything you want <laughs> while I'm gone. And I, and, but in connection with that, the garbage man comes one day a week, so I would set their garbage can out and put it back if they were gone. No, no big deal to me, but it, it really helped make a good relationship with the people in the town. You talk about great community all around service, right? Well, you know, they, they talked about community policing. The first school I went to, I said, where you people been doing? I've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> and it was the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if you want to go down this path or not, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, and you don't have to answer this question, but I'm just kind of curious to what you kind of think of uh, the modern-day police strategy and philosophy and everything that seems to be going on in America today with around police officers. Well, 99% of the time, if you'd have done what the policeman told you in the first place, there wouldn't have been... Anybody hurt? You'd been handcuffed and gone to jail, maybe, but but everything when you run and then you grab a gun or something, or it looks like a gun, and you know when when somebody runs and they turn around, maybe they got a flashlight in their hand and maybe it's a gun, mm -hmm. and uh, they things get out of hand too quick. Just do what the policeman told you. And 99% of the time, that's as bad as it's going to get. Right, right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like from an outsider's perspective, hearing about your stories, is that you were a part of the entire community. So, like you said, you would help with the trash cans, put them in, take them out. You worked with everybody to make sure that it was a, a safe community throughout your entire time as a police officer. Well, I'll tell you another funny story. I I had two blocks of concrete street sidewalks poured, and this guy, kid, well, somebody told me he was riding a bike, so I went the other end of the sidewalk, here he comes out, you know. But he was out when I got there. But anyway, uh, he, he, he denied anything. But then we went to court, and the kid's father had a high-priced attorney, and he said, how do you know that was the concrete there on that bicycle? It could have been concrete from anywhere. Did you do any tests? I said, yeah, I did a field test. I, he said, what was that? I said, I tasted it on the street, and I tasted it off his tire, and it tasted the same to me. 
And Judge Pavlovich said, that's a good enough test for me. <laughs> and it worked, though. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah. did, did you have to do any other field tests like that? <laughs> well, some uh, close to it. But, close to it. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you kind of wish that members of the community understood more about your career? Well... They kind of mistreated my kids over me being a policeman. I had three girls, and they took a lot of abuse over me, but they handled it well. That's good. How hard was it for the family for you being a police officer? You kind of alluded to it, saying your daughter kind of well, took a little bit. Well, we all go to the same school down mm -hmm. here, and it's a small town. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you another funny was I got a call to an accident down here four miles on 3rd Street, and... Uh, Anyhow, here she is and this guy in a car with another girl in the car. And she's, anyhow, she said, he's going to tell you a story. He was actually teaching his girlfriend to drive, or the, whoever it was, to drive. And he hit the back of her car. Well, so he's telling me this big story. <laughs> and my I think, I don't know which one of the daughters it was, where they were all in the car with her. And he walked over and he said, Hi, Daddy. <laughs> and he started telling the truth right away. <laughs> I'm kind of curious that we're talking about family and friends and the community. It, was there any part of the job that was just very difficult to talk to them about or to share? Yeah, they don't. I didn't tell them a lot of things. But a funny thing there. <laughs> I'd gone to guy down to get us some soft drinks one night for the family. Well, I arrested a drunk, had him in the back seat, and I forgot about the soft drink bottle down there. Well, <laughs> he went to try to hit me overhead with a bottle. Well, I ducked, but the microphone on the radio fell in the floor and it hit the mic and had it on. And we had a verbal dispute. <laughs> I came home, Daddy, you shouldn't talk that way. <laughs> that you, you had mentioned uh, a little about your military service and how it affected your impacted your your life. How about uh, being a police officer? How did that impact your life uh, going forward and still today? Well, you. It makes you take a different look at everything. Mm -hmm. You have to look at both sides more than you would otherwise. You know, be, being a police officer, you should hold yourself to a higher standard. I really believe it. You, you know, and because everybody knows what you are, and they're going to compare you with everything else. Mm -hmm. And I tried to do that. Well, it looks like you got uh, a lot of respect and a lot of awards that went along with that as well. You know, this one just happened to pick up for Chief John Sayers for Outstanding Community Service for Voluntary Performance Acts that have substantially enhanced the quality of life within the Northern Kentucky community, and that was presented to you in 2021, just very recently. What are some of the awards that you remember that kind of stand out to you? People that just come out of the sky and thank you for something you didn't didn't mean that much to you, but it did to them. Absolutely. You, you never know what what peop, some people value, what their value is, or what they care about. 
and it's amazing. Sometimes they'll thank you for bringing their dog home or cat that you found, you know, or just things like that. Yeah, yeah. And again, there's a lot of uh, the things that we talked about and with the awards and the recognition and something, it all wraps around that community again. And just being an integral part of providing that protect and serve in this community, it just speaks volumes of who you are as a person for sure. Well, you know, one day I was in court, juvenile court, and uh, this kid said, Johnny told me, that's Ulster Sayers, that's not Johnny. Well, everybody calls him Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back when you first got out of the service and you went down before you started your career as a police officer, what advice would you give yourself today for that young man? Do the same thing again. Awesome. It's been a good life. I enjoy I enjoy people, like I said, some when they come and some when they go, but 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 you can solve a lot of problems with talking rather than fighting. And yeah. you can usually if you hunt a little bit you can find a point of common interest then back from that. Um, we kind of hit on this a uh, little bit ago, but I want to kind of jump back into it just real quick. Uh, we mentioned, or you talked about some of the advice of being honest when you go in. What advice would you give young people when they're interacting or going to be interacting with the police force? Well, I usually tell them, they're acting stupid. I said, look look in that mirror. You're seeing a dumb fool. Act like you got some sense so you can look in there and be proud of yourself. And some simple thing like that sometimes right. changes people. Well, that's amazing advice. <laughs> You're right <laughs> on. You're right on. Um, what haven't I asked you? What else do we need to get out and just uh, to share your, your living history? All that she's done to help me through the years. She took, she take a lot of abuse around here. Some lady come give her the devil one day, although she did turn the garden hose or she was watering her flowers. But it was all right, it was a family member. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had mentioned how long you've been married now? Going to be 70 years. 70 years, yeah. yeah. I found out a 50-50 deal. If I do what she tells me, we're fine. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that was my next question. How would you make it last that long for that? By being gone most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Any other stories you want to share that we haven't talked about that you can think of either in your military time or your police time or just in, you know, life in general? We had a hostage deal over here at the trailer park one night and and the guy that was causing he was holding his parents at gunpoint well the county was talking to him out front I went around back the back of the trailer was unlocked so I opened the door motioned them out he was in front talking to the county so they got them out we were safe then and then the fee uh, then he finally agreed to come out if I would meet him and the other police would back off because mm. he says, you all are going to beat me up. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, I, 
I didn't thump your head unless you had it coming. I put it away. He knew that. Right. And uh, I got him out. But anyway, the SWAT team was there, and uh, I asked him to get down on his knees, and I'd back off. Never going to handcuff him. He said, "Make me." Well, Mike Jones was on the SWAT team. Mac, Mike come up and decked him <clears> and knocked him out. When he came to, he says, Johnny, who was that? I said, I don't know. They were all dressed alike. <laughs> 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 well, I, the county got a trouble call up here in Melbourne, and I went up with Mike. And the heat guy beat the heck out of this woman. We got the squad to take her. We left our cruisers on the other side of the track and then walked down to the tavern up there and see if he could be hiding in there. Well, now we're walking back down, and I said, somebody coughed up in that roof. It was a house that had the old flat roof, but they were making it into a peaked one. And he says, I didn't hear anything, and then he heard it. Well, there was a wrought iron railing there, so he throws that. The, the guy had pulled the ladder up there with him when he got up there. Mike throws that wrought iron railing, we went up there like a monkey, and he said, get on down there with Johnny. He says, I'm afraid to, I might fall. He says, you got up here, get down there with Johnny. I, I'm afraid to. He kicked him right in the middle of the butt, and here he says, catch him, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you catch him? On the second bound. <laughs> you tell him about Roscoe? Oh, you got to tell us about Roscoe. What's the deal with Roscoe? Well, Roscoe was the first cat I ever had, but he loved to ride in the cruiser. Huh? So I and he I could put a I had a leash on him, and I'd hook him on the cage in the back seat. But anyway, I'd stop a car and I'd smell marijuana. And kid that normally never got in trouble, and I'd say, "See, there's," and he'd be at the window like this. That's my drug cat. <laughs> and if you don't throw it out the window in the curb and drive off. I'm going to have him search your car. <laughs> Here we go out the window, huh? <laughs> I think one of the key points that we keep coming back to is how ingrained you were in the community. And, uh, I mean, for everything from you being the mechanics police, <laughs> fixing the police chiefs or the police cars to you being the, the dog that was uh, on the force, and now you have your own trained police cat as well. So... But that, having that community involvement and being community engaged seemed to be a big key to, to all your success as well. Yeah. Well, it works two ways and everybody knows you, but it, mm -hmm. it kind of keeps you on your toes. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, and they, they hear the stories about you, so they get, some of them get afraid of you. Mm -hmm. but overall, it's a good thing. Right. The old courthouse in Alexander, the county used to be there. That's where their office was in their radio center, their dispatch. Well, I went up there one night, had some pick up a warrant or take a warrant back, and they said, this possum keeps trying to come in. Will you chase him off? Well, I took and sprayed him with pepper spray, 
<laughs> they opened the door and he ran inside. The radio system was off the air for 15 to 20 minutes till we got the tear gas cleared out. <laughs> but it worked. It worked. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually it worked. Eventually it worked. The people are very lucky in this town, in this area, in this region. Well, this, I arrested this guy and then he got he ran away from me on foot. And uh, his car was parked down here where the railroad yards used to be. And I knew he'd try and run, but I knew he'd come back and get his car. So I parked down the street about a block where I could watch him. But I opened the hood and I switched all the spark plug wires. <laughs> well, he had a, when he took off, he had a top speed of about 20 mile an hour with a backfire. And oh, pop. no. So I knew he wasn't going to get away from me, and he finally quit. <laughs> and again, using ingenuity to get your guy. Well, here's a piece that we didn't talk about, and I didn't realize, and we can throw that back in there, but you were the longest-serving Kentucky officer? Yeah. In the state of in Kentucky. In the state of Kentucky. Yeah. That is amazing. That proves one thing. I don't know when to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so very much. I really greatly appreciate you being part of Tackley Acquired, our special summer session, a gathering of your living history and all you did and continue to do for our community. Thank you so much, sir. Pleasure's mine and yours both. <laughs>